Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode of Bookmarked is brought to you by Libro FM. Get two books for the price of one with your first month of membership using the code BOOKSTACKED. Again, use promo code BOOKSTACKED when you start your membership at Libro.fm. Or check the show notes for a quick link to get started. Offer only valid for new members in the US and Canada. Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Bookmarked Podcast. My name is Michael Burns, and today I'm really excited to be talking to Jessica Goodwin, who's the author of several YA thrillers, including the soon-to-be-released The Counselors. The Counselors tells the story of Goldie, as she returns to the summer camp she's been attending for many, many years, but this time it's on the back of a tragic event in her hometown. It's a really engaging story of mystery and social class prejudice. It's a classic whodunit, but it's also a really nice love letter to friendship and one of my favourite settings for a story, Summer Camp. Let's just go ahead and get started. Welcome to the podcast, Jessica. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here. So the way we usually like to start is just to give you a chance to can I introduce yourself and talk a little bit about your upcoming book. Yeah, so my name is Jessica Goodman. I am the young adult author of thrillers like They Wish They Were Us, They'll Never Catch Us, and my new book is called The Counselors. It's coming out May 31st, and this is very exciting. This is one of the first times that I'm giving a little like elevator pitch, a little spiel about it, but um, basically The Counselors is a summer camp murder mystery where we follow Goldie Easton, who lives in the tiny town in Vermont, and she's been going to the same very exclusive, very fancy local camp since she was a kid. She gets to go there for free because her parents work there, but all of the other kids there are very fancy. They're from New York City and the tri-state area, and they all have a lot more resources than she does, and she's so excited to go back this summer to be with her best friends for their final summer counselors. But everything changes when Goldie finds a body in the lake uh, one of their first nights there. Uh, um, That sums it up pretty well. I'm actually 40 pages from the end and it's just going so many places. (laughs) I'm so excited to find out the truth truth at the end. Yeah, Yeah, I'm excited for you as well. (laughs) Yeah, as soon as as I heard the the pitch that kind of gets sent through to me, like I knew I knew I was sold on it. I knew I would love it. So yeah, it's, it's great. I can't wait for people to be able to read it and so that I can talk about it because there's there's layers to it. Um, Thank you. That's kind, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned there that this is actually your third mystery thriller book. What is it about that genre that, that draws you in and why do you keep coming back to it? 
Yeah, I've always loved thrillers in TV shows, movies, books. I think they just really fascinate me. Um, and I, it's the kind of stuff that I like to read. You know, I love a good whodunit. I love trying to figure out who the real killer is or who the real culprit is. And, you know, I think a lot of great thrillers now really do center young women, which is really exciting. But I felt like when I was growing up, there weren't that many um, or there weren't that many that I really connected with. And my world kind of opened up when I read Gone Girl, you know, by, by Gillian Flynn. I think it's a, it's a real tome for anyone who, who likes this kind of stuff. I mean, it's like, you know, the Bible for me. And once I read that book, I was like, my mind just exploded with the possibilities that you that could happen when you're writing about young women and um, in this genre. And I just find that it's so, so rich. There's so many stories to tell. And writing thrillers is a great way to also, I think, have social commentary. Um, you know, authors like Tiffany D. Jackson do this really well. It's just such an interesting sandbox to play around in where you got to talk about so many different cultural themes. And, you know, I really like to write about class differences and the kind of haves and have nots. And I love writing about rich kids in a lot of ways. And I, I feel like the thriller genre really allows me to do that in a fun, interesting and also kind of, I think, pointed way. I really loved that when I started reading it and realized that there's going to be kind of a lot of social commentary woven throughout it and um, something I wasn't really expecting because when you kind of think of like a thriller at summer camp you, you kind of think you know what you're getting when you're going in but I think this went in a really interesting direction really, what really inspired you to bring that in was it always part of the story or was the story built around it yeah I mean so I, I went to a couple summer camps as a kid the one that really has left an impact on me um you know I went to sleepaway camp in, in New Hampshire for seven summers it was extremely formative I loved it so much and thinking about that experience now as an adult like I just remember feeling so secluded in this like really wonderful safe bubble where like anything was possible and nothing bad was ever going to happen and I just kind of started thinking, what if something bad did happen, you know? And what happens when that bubble is burst? As a kid, I never thought about what went on outside of the camp in the surrounding town. I didn't know much about it other than there was an amazing ice cream shop and like a pizza place that we sometimes got on, you know, special occasions. But I didn't think about the people that live there at all. And, and I, you know, as an adult, I, I find myself often going to these small rural towns for vacation, you know, going to the Catskills, going to Maine, going to these different, these different areas. And I just love thinking about the people who live there full time and aren't engaged in the tourism industry or the summer camp industry, or like, what are the locals up to? And, you know, I, I wanted to write all of the story from one of their perspectives. Goldie is a local and she lives in this town that really is the feeder of resources. All of the resources for this camp come from this town and the way that the camp treats the town is, is not always so great. And, you know, I mean, I, I just became kind of obsessed with this idea of like what happens when the town maybe decides to fight back or like what happens when the, when the camp like isn't really doing great things to the town, you know, and I will say like my camp, I'm sure treats their town very, very nicely. And I think they have a great relationship. But I was just so interested in this idea of what happens when like the luxury experience in a non luxurious place isn't great for the people that live there. And yeah, I just wanted to burst the bubble of camp and see what would happen. Yeah, I really like the way that the story is told by like alternating now and then points and I really like the way that when it goes back to the the then you kind of see the naive 
of like how the, the kids are when they're growing up, but then you kind of see them progressing and kind of realizing things. You know, the some of the I guess richer kids that go to the camp kind of make comments about the townies, or then the townies yeah. make, make comments about the the camp. So uh, yeah, I thought that was really great the way that you know you kind of follow along. It's almost as if that's its own like thriller story on the side. Yeah, I'm glad that lands because that that dual timeline wasn't actually in the original draft that we added the then chapters in the second draft at the suggestion of my fantastic editor. And I'm so glad we did because I think it really gives more backstory, more explanation, more context, and also richer, deeper relationships between the characters as well. Yeah, it really kind of builds a fuller story as well. I think the way that the characters that are in it and the now pop up in the end, you get certain certain flashbacks to them. Yeah, I think it, it works really well. So I'll say I'm glad that you I'm glad that you added it in. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I love the camp setting as well. See, look, being from Scotland, we we don't really have summer camps. <laughs> we don't have anything like that. So it's always fascinating when I read camp stories. I feel like it's just such a haven for any possible storytelling. Yeah. Part of, my, yeah. part of my question was going to be if you'd been to a camp. So you've uh, you've already answered that, obviously. But what yeah, is it I about mean, that I, setting that draws you in? I think that, um, you know, I have a very emotional, intense relationship with the idea of camp, um, which sounds like insane. But for as long as I can remember, since I was a little kid, I always wanted to go to sleepaway camp. And I'm Jewish. I'm from the tri-state area. And summer, sleepaway camp is a, is a big tradition in in Jewish American culture, specifically in the Northeast and the East Coast in general. And I think it's because a lot of Jewish families wanted to create little safe havens for their kids to go to in the summer when there was much more prejudice than there is now, although obviously there is still a lot of prejudice. And, you know, some of these camps were based on the kibbutzim in Israel, which are like these kind of communal living situations. And so there's a deep history in my culture of like sending kids to camp. And specifically in my family, my grandparents, my mom's parents ran a sleepaway camp when she was a kid. And she likes to say that she was born at camp. She was born in March, but like camp started in June and she was there as a newborn. And, you know, we have all these amazing family photos of my mom as a little kid just running around this beautiful picturesque camp, which was it really the clientele there were like Jewish kids from Miami Beach and and, and South Florida. And it was in North Carolina. And it was a real, real community that lasted for a really long time. And she spoke about it in a way that was just so visceral and meaningful. And I wanted that experience, even as like a five or six year old, like it just felt so magical to me. And so when I finally got to go when I was nine years old, it was like my whole world opened up because I think talking to some people, they are like shocked at the at the idea that your parents would send you away for eight weeks over the summer. I think that can sound pretty foreign to someone if it's not familiar to you and your family. But for me, and, and, and you know, some kids, it doesn't work. Like it's not, it's not their thing. They don't like it. They feel uncomfortable. But for me, it was like I, I was able to gain a sense of independence and self-assuredness and self-discovery that I don't think I would have gotten at home had I been with my parents all the time, had I been with a babysitter of some sort. It was just so meaningful to be in a cabin with 10 of my peers and learn how to survive in a way socially, but also, you know, doing all these fun activities. And I mean, it was just the best. And I think a lot of like aspects of my life have been trying to recreate that experience. I crave the outdoors. I crave sitting around a fire with friends and just listening to the birds and listening to nature. And 
you know, feeling free. And I think that that always reminds me of camp in the same way that it does for my mom. So that is my long winded way of saying that, yes, I did go to summer camp and it is very meaningful to me. (laughs) And it's just, I think if you're, if you've been, if you've like been grown up in this culture, you can really relate to, to it. But, you know, I hope that people who haven't been to camp can see the kind of meaning or independence or self-worth that some of these kids find while being at camp. Yeah, I think that does really come across through it, kind of the way that you're talking about it there, like the kind of passion you have. I think that does definitely come through between all the characters that is. I'm, I'm thinking specifically just now, I don't want to get too spoilery, into it, but I'm thinking of like Ava's twin sisters, obviously when they first come to the camp, they're kind of nervous, a little bit ostracised, and then yeah. there's, there's a beautiful scene where it turns out that Ava doesn't hate her sisters, and it's, yeah. it's like you kind of just see how the like, camp brought them together, in a sense. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, was... I mean, I, I was a counsellor for three or four years at a different camp than the camp that I mentioned in New Hampshire, and which was also a fantastic experience, and the best part of being a counsellor was watching those shy kids come in on the first day and not knowing who to talk to and not knowing what to do or where to go. And then however many weeks later, it's like their whole world opens up and they have all these new friends. And they're the kids who are crying on the last day of camp because they've gone on this character arc, basically, of learning so much about themselves and realizing that they can survive without like their creature comforts home. And I, I loved like facilitating that experience. And I think I wanted to do that with this book. And I think as well, kind of going back to the, the then and now, aspect of it you, you kind of see uh goldie like as like camp goldie and then yeah non-camp goldie you see how it shapes her into a different person almost completely and it kind of makes me jealous that that i never had stuff like that growing up i just think camp stories are fascinating is it's there really any kind fun. Of, yeah. yeah is there any other kind of like camp novels that you've read that you would recommend Ooh, Riley Sager has a really good one that I can't remember the name of. Is it Survive the Night? It might be that one. That's a really good one. Trying to think of some others. You know, I didn't read a lot of camp novels while I I was researching this book because I really wanted it to just be my experience in a lot of ways. That's but that's a really good one. The Woman in Cabin Ten, the Ruth Ware book. That's not really like a summer camp one, but it has campy vibes. I would say. Yeah, but Riley Sagers is very good. And I think a lot of people have been comparing this to the Fear Street, uh, the R.L. Stein Fear Street oh. 78 one, um, which is really, really fun. I love the Netflix version. And that's obviously a little more slasher than thriller, I would say, but very yeah. fun. I think as well, we a few years ago interviewed Lexa Hellier on the podcast. Uh-huh. She has an excellent camp book, uh, Proof of Forever, which is okay, great. pretty much the opposite of this. It's like a time travel, <laughs> fascinating. I'll, I'll, th- I'll throw that into the mix as well, because I think that was a, a really interesting one. Something I wanted to kind of talk about was your writing process. I'm always fascinated just in general to know about writers' processes of how they how they get their books out. But especially in a book like this, when there's so many twists and layers, how did it all come about? Yeah, I mean, for me, most of my books, the ideas come about with like the premise first. With this book, I was, I want to write a summer camp thriller. And then it was kind of, you know, working backwards from there. What, who are the characters? What are we like? What's the drama? Who dies? Blah, 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 all that stuff. But it was always, I want to write a summer camp thriller and I want to write it from the perspective of a girl who lives 
mere count. And that, that was kind of where I started. And so for this book, I think I, with, with all of my books, I kind of do like a hybrid plotting slash pantsing move where pantser like flies by the seat of their pants, a, plot, a plotter like writes everything or, you know, outlines everything. And I usually start with a, a pretty general scaffolding of an outline and then what I want to happen in the first act. Usually the first act is pretty clean. And the second act gets pretty messy. And then by the third act, it's like, I, I know who I want to die and I know what, who I want to kill them. Kind of working backwards from there. And I update the outline as I draft and I, you know, I draft as I outline and it's kind of this like very chaotic process. And I wish I was one of those people who could just outline everything and go. But unfortunately, the characters often like reveal themselves to me while I'm writing, which sounds very woo-woo, but it is true for me. And so this book, like I mentioned, we didn't have the then sections in the first iteration of this book a lot of the then sections were like flashbacks within the book and I'm really glad that my editor suggested we pull them out because I think it like we've talked about it makes them it makes it a much stronger more complex story but yeah this book was put together pretty fast and it I guess we finished it like last summer and I wrote it in the depths of the pandemic I think I started it in February 2020 so, and by started it, like, you know, came up with the idea and maybe wrote like five pages and really wrote it during the pandemic. So this was a real escape book for me. I felt like I could just go into a completely different world where I was able to like hug my friends and stuff. So I'm delighted to be sharing it now. But yeah, that's kind of, my, I mean, right now I'm drafting my fourth book, which is definitely the hardest book I've written so far and I think that's just because I'm it's, it's an ambitious project that that plotting pantsing method is it is going it is slow and steady but it is going and you know I think I try to give myself a lot of grace with my books where I, I tr really try to tell myself that like the first draft is never going to be perfect you know don't compare don't compare it to you know your other finished book coming out soon it's so hard to be like why is my first draft crap but it's always going to be crap and you just have to be okay with that has to be yeah kind of the way you were talking about the pandemic there has that like changed or influenced the way that you write at all has that done anything to your process well the biggest difference between pre-pandemic and post-pandemic is you know up until june 2020 i had a full-time job at nine to five i was an editor at cosmopolitan magazine and before the pandemic, I would write in the mornings before work from 7 to 9 a.m. And then, you know, on the weekends. Now I don't do that because I don't, I don't go, I don't go into an office. I, I still do other projects besides writing books, but um, this is, you know, the main crux of my work. And so most of my time is spent working on my books, which means that I pump them out faster, but I also have to write more every day. So it's a different, it's just a different work style. But, you know, before the pandemic, I also was not a published author. My first book, They Wish They Were Us, came out in August 2020. So I've never experienced what it's like to release a book for the pandemic. I've never had an in-person book event, but I'm just thrilled that like books are still getting out there and that we're still able to share them with the world and that people are still reading them, which is really nice. But yeah, my life has changed dramatically since the pandemic started, <laughs> mostly in good ways, which is very, you know, I'm very grateful for that. It's a real privilege. You kind of touched there as well on your past working on Cosmopolitan magazine. I just thought that was interesting as well. Did that, do you think that's influenced the way that you write? Do you think that's influenced like what you write in any way? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I started my career as an editor at HuffPost and I also worked at Entertainment Weekly and both of those outlets had extremely fast-paced work environments, um, really hardcore deadlines. And I think that 
those experiences really helped me learn how to write on a deadline and how to write really fast and turn out copy and, you know, be really respectful of edits. Um, and I'm so, and I'm so grateful for my experience as a journalist. Like I, and I still do a lot of journalism um, and I love it and it's fantastic. So I, I think that all of my experience in magazines and digital outlets really kind of like primed me for being an author in a lot of ways. It also, it also opens you up to public criticism, which I think is, good because as an author you you get public criticism and you know I, I like I like to think that I have a thick skin and can handle it but it's just it's it's just a good experience to to you know get told that you suck on the internet every now and then it's not very nice but I, th I think we can all relate yeah, and then in, yeah and then in terms of content like absolutely I mean my second book don't ever catch us which is out in paperback right now. That story is about a young runner, a cross country star in the Catskills who winds up dead and choose uh, dead on the trail and two sisters who, you know, are intimately involved with her and her murder. And that story came about because while I was at Cosmo, we were learning about reporting about hearing about all of these terrible stories of young women who were killed while they were running. And I just got obsessed with the idea that something that is supposed to make you feel really strong and really good and is supposed to be really healthy can actually be really dangerous. And what ha what does that say, you know, about the state of our culture where like like young women and, you know, people from marginalized marginalized identities in a lot of ways like can't go for a run without feeling scared. And so I wanted to write about that. And, you know, that came about because of things that we were covering at Cosmo. So I think that my experience in media, specifically women's media, really really helped me understand like the kinds of themes I wanted to talk about and you know how how all of that kind of how the culture like impacts what I want to say in my book. Obviously you mentioned that you're you're in drafting your your next book just now is there anything you can talk about on that front? Ooh, let's see. What can I say? I can say it's I can say it's another thriller. Excellent. And it stars young women. And um, I don't know what else I can say. I should have cleared this with my publicist. No. But I, I will say readers won't have to wait too long to to hear more. That's good. I'm excited. But they can, another thriller about young women coming your way. <laughs> and uh, I've been reading a little bit about uh, an upcoming TV adaptation. Is there much that you want to talk about in that front as well? Yeah, it's so exciting. Um, they Wish They Were Us, my first book is currently in, in development to be turned into a limited series for HBO Max starring Sydney Sweeney and Halsey. I have heard that things are progressing and it's going well and it's all very exciting and hopefully we should have more more news to share soon. Yeah that's I'm really excited I actually just picked up They Wish They Were Us. Um, I work in a bookstore so as soon as I knew that I was doing okay. this interview and I was I'd started reading The Counselor's my first day in work, I, I jumped right to the YA section and picked up that as well. Um, because oh, that's very it, nice. Because I, I hope you like the, it. I, I'm sure I will. If the counsellor has anything to go by, I'm I'm absolutely positive I will. Um, where can people find you online? Oh, yes. Um, I am online, mostly on Instagram, at Jessica Goodman. Um, you can pick up my books, They Wish They Were Us, They'll Never Catch Us, and The Counselors out May 31st, wherever books are sold. It's been really lovely chatting to you. Thanks very much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. This is fantastic. I'm delighted to be here. And thank you again. So great. I hope yeah. you like the book. I hope you like the ending. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure I will. Amazing. I'm, I'm very, very excited.
Yeah. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you to Jessica for taking the time and her busy schedule to come chat to us. I had a really great time getting to know a bit more about her and her new book. Don't forget that you can follow us on Twitter at bookmarkedya, and you can also follow Bookstack on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to feed my ego, you can also follow me on Instagram at themichaelburns. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and I hope to see you soon. Bye.